On this edition of the Scott Radley Show podcast, we are chatting with Mike Fortune about all kinds of stuff going on in the world these days, from election stuff to identity politics to, well, to tattoos and celebrities in the city of Hamilton. Stick around. Today on the Scott Radley Show on 900 CHML. Joining me this Friday... Guy we haven't had in here in a long time, as I say, because we haven't done a Friday in a while, but we are doing it now. From Cable 14, from a a host of programming there, Michael Jameson Fortune. John, pretty close. Michael John. There we go. You got me now? Yeah, Michael John. All right. Michael John. Uh, Great to be back. Thanks for having me. I Um, was trying to guess what the J was. Jesse Geronimus. MJF. Yeah. MJ, just call. I'm the other MJ. Geronimus would be a good. G- middle. Geronimus would be a good one. Yeah, I, yeah. I'll take Geronimus. Um, yeah, no. How you? How I have to ask. How have you been enjoying your Friday nights off? Well, I'm uh, picturing you kicked back, relaxed, no. feet up. Netflix. I sit in the studio. I sit in the studio, just <laughs> waiting for Lorraine to say talk, and I, I can't get in there. To the, you know, I, I must say this, and uh, I apologize to anybody who's listening who listens regularly. Well, I don't apologize for that. I thank you for that. But, of course. but you will have heard a bit of this story before last early this month I had to play the Mike Fortune role because you are Cable 14's resident moderator (laughs) of political debates and I had to step in and I must say uh, full applause to you for the many many that you've done thank you uh, especially because I gotta be very delicate how I say this oh just lay it out there it's okay in a federal election which I was doing (laughs) You have people who are who have been vetted by their party. They have been prepped on their platforms. Mm-hmm. They are. They have been chosen. They've been chosen. These are people who are. I think generally that we had twenty five who were in front yeah. of us over the five debates. Uh, I thought they were all intelligent people. You may disagree with their politics, but they were all very intelligent well people. Spoken. Well spoken. Uh, good, you know, smart people. Again, you may disagree with what they believe or how they express it, but they were smart people. The same cannot always be said for municipal politics. No, it cannot. At the the municipal politics is wonderful because it's the lowest early entry level political stage, but you, you do end up with some characters there. It, it can be a bit of a gong show at times, <laughs> and there were times when I'm standing there looking oh so stern and serious, but I'm biting my tongue so hard to not. Cr- burst out laughing at times uh, but you know it it I thought it was great how you handled everything your questions that you asked were spot on you knocked it out of the well, park well that's ne- thank you that's neither here nor and, there I just I, as I say I just I'll, I'm going to cut off the compliment because I'm blushing <laughs> but I just I, I, I thought to myself I have got it lucky that I can ask someone and you're going to get an answer that as you say you're not going to that you're not going to burst out laughing yeah and, what, it's poor form I think and I, it really, it is. I enjoyed the experience, and I think you will also agree. And we, this has been talked about, whether it's here locally or across the board. There is no real good or proper way, I don't think, to do a proper debate. It's so difficult. Oh, I disagree. I've, I, I've do now, think, having yeah? done it, I've absolutely. I, I would say that with every riding, that you should the. And, and forgive me again to the people who disagree. It, it, I just I just told you, if you're one of the candidates yeah. or if you're someone supporting one of those candidates, I've just told you my honest feeling that they all did exceptionally well. 
But I don't believe that you should have every candidate there. I think it should be restricted to those who have a legitimate chance to win that riding. No, I agree with that. I'm saying in the fact that, you, you know, you, you ask a big question and, oh, you got 60 seconds to answer. That's what oh, I was referring but, but, to. No, but that's, that, that comes from the next thing. Because okay. I, would, I would love to have, and I mean, it takes up airtime. I, I think a great political debate would have been all the p- candidates who would be described as secondary, mm-hmm. not the big three parties. Uh, you will have TV time and you can debate it, but it, like, let's look at Hamilton Center. Hamilton Center has only ever been liberal or NDP. Correct. Yep. It has never gone to any other candidate. It was never going to go to any other party. So let's just have those two candidates in and then we have lots of time. It's not restricted to 60 seconds and I can jump in and start asking follow-ups and they can go at each other and the voters can get a better sense. That would be my only thing. Now, you know people would fight that. Of course they would. You know people would fight that, but I think that would be more helpful. And if it's three candidates, if, let's say you set the bar, if you got 20% of the votes last time, you get to be invited to the candidate debate the next time. Yeah. I would be, I think it would the, be more helpful, honestly. Formulas, new formulas somehow have to be written out. But again, to your point, not everyone is going to agree because we all want to have, we, we've put our money in, we've been vetted, we've been accepted, whatever. We all want to be able to come in and talk. But again, it's, uh, that's how our system is right now. So we live with it and, and it probably and, won't change. And even if you had had with the leaders debate, and here's where people well, would really lose their minds. If you, there were only two parties that legitimately had a chance to win this, would we not have been better served? Ha- go ahead and have the debates that we had with the leader debates with five or six people on the stage. But would we not have been better served by having another debate with just Sheer and Trudeau up on the stage? It's quite possible. But then, to your point, NDP, Green, Block, they are not going to be happy. Of course and, not. And you are going to rattle. Is it worth rattling all those feathers and, and taking away everyone's right, what we have fought, what has been fought for so hard to be able to have? So it, I just don't think it would ever happen. It, it's not. What I no- see your point, but it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. By the way, what noise do rattled feathers make? Maybe he's wearing a gold chain or something. I love the mixed metaphor. It's awesome. (laughs) The rattled feathers. The rattled feathers. Let us take a break. We're going to come back after this. Stay with us. You're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on 900 CHML. We were just chatting last segment a little bit about leadership debates and political debates. Well, Mike, I I, I want to ask, only want to do one segment today on anything to do with the election because it's uh, it's beginning to fade into the rearview mirror. But I saw some numbers (laughs) And uh, apparently something like 66% of Canadians who were eligible voted in this election. Okay. Which I actually thought was quite impressive. I thought that was a pretty good number for people to get out and vote. Where were we a few years ago? Wasn't it like... Uh, well, municipal is very low. Municipal is always low. I'm talking the last federal election though. Wasn't it in the in the 40s or no, something No, I, like I think it was I think it was in the lower 60s. I think lower it was up 60s. a little bit this time. Well, there has just been so much talk and so much angst and maybe even anger and and there's there's people that are just people are so much more opinionated nowadays and i think that's wonderful than where we were a few years ago last time we had this election and i think the leaders and and i think jagmeet singh did a really good job in in getting his message across and getting some new voters out and i think you're seeing a lot of the younger kids come out the younger, the younger generation, I think, is starting to pay more and more attention because they're realizing this is going to affect us. And to hear that the number was 66, first time I've heard it, I think it's wonderful. I hope it continues. And I hope parents, 
as we do. We bring our kids with us to show that it only takes a few minutes. We talk a little bit about at the dinner table. Kids might have some questions, and I think that's wonderful. So good on us that it was 66% across uh, this great country of ours. Continue uh, doing it good. Well, the the follow-up question then is, in Australia, and I don't know if there's other places other than Australia that are probably, well, North Korea. Uh, The one thing maybe that Australia and North Korea have in common. Uh, But voting is mandatory in Australia. You have to vote in Australia or you're fined. And I'm wondering, we've had people say that voting should be mandatory in Canada. And I have no issues with that either. Really? I think that's a fantastic idea. You come to this country, you're born in this country, whatever the case might be. uh, It should be your, it's a right, but it also should be an obligation for you to make sure your voice is heard. You have to pay your phone bills. You have to pay your hydro bills. Otherwise, we cut them off. You know what? You got to vote. That's, it's the law here, and uh, see, I love it. I uh, See, I disagree, and I'll tell you why. Because as soon as you make it mandatory, you are going to be forcing that extra 33% of people who are politically illiterate into the ballot boxes to cast votes on a government that they have not done any research and couldn't care less. How do we know they haven't done any research? Isn't that a big assumption? Uh, maybe th- they are doing. Well, maybe research. they are. Maybe they are. But I'm. I would bet you more money than not that the reason they're not voting is because they are politically disengaged, not because they simply can't find anybody for which to cast a ballot. And I don't want. I really don't want people who don't have a clue what's going on, or a clue who stands for what, to turn it, another election into a popularity contest and just vote for the person. You know, like. I want people to vote who want to vote. In fact, the 66%, which is terrific, I'd be quite okay if that dropped to 50%, if it was 50% of truly engaged citizens. But what's, who, what, what, what is your level of engagement where they have to read every headline and follow every news article and follow every debate? Or no. someone that just has a little bit of interest, understands what's going on, has uh, maybe has picked up some stuff in the office. Maybe it doesn't, you know... They might not know everything that's going on, but if they maybe just show a little bit, they, they pick up something, I think that's important. They don't have to be this expert that's fully engaged, I don't think. Agreed. And when I say I would be happy if it dropped to 50, that's assuming that some of these people don't really know and they just went and cast the ballot. Yeah. But if, no, no, I, look, I'm, I'm not expecting that you should have to be able to recite all the platforms of all the parties in depth. Mm. I do think that I would want people who are voting to have some basic understanding of why. Here, here let me give you an example. Uh, we don't really do like in the states where they have the exit polling, you know, on, yeah. on U.S. election night. We know who mm-hmm. they've got. I don't even know why they do it, to be honest. Ratings, I've never TV. TV, I know. But <laughs> anyway, uh, but if you were to stop someone coming out of the ballot box, the minimum I would hope and expect among Canadians is, Mike, you've just voted. Um, we're not going to do this, but you voted for who and why did you vote for that person? And I would want to believe that you would be able to tell me not just who you voted for, because if you don't know, that's the first problem. Yeah, <laughs> yeah of course. But, but to give me at least a reason why you chose that person other than, uh, you know, because I felt like it. No, no. Give me something in the platform that you looked at and you said, this is better than the alternative. That's all. And if you make it mandatory, you will have a whole lot of, I don't know, my mommy told me to. My dad said I had to vote for that party. I don't know. He's cute. She's cute. Whatever. Greta said to go there. <laughs> Love the voice, by the way, right? Now. Yeah, well, it's the, I, I th- <laughs> it's the uninformed voter voice. Look, there's always going to be people that are uninformed in a multitude of different things in, in daily life. 
But when it comes to politics, and I think, and, and maybe if you were to first uh, initiate and install this, yeah, you might have some uneducated people. But I think as time goes on, as if you learn that this is what you have to do as you as you move on, and it's instilled in you, I think more people would pay attention. See, I'd like to go the other way. I would like to make it so that before you get your ballot at the polling station, Mm -hmm. you have to answer a three or four or five question thing that shows the most basic level of knowledge of what is going on. Like, I'm not talking about, you know, a difficult Canadian history quiz, but like something that just shows that you have even the most basic modicum of knowledge of what's happened in this election. Who, if it it asks you a question, who is the leader of the Green Party? If... If you can't answer who's the leader of the Green Party or any other, you you clearly have not shown yourself in my mind to be available to be voting. But people can still find that on the internet very quickly. Oh, I don't know. Let me check my phone. Oh, yeah. Okay. Put it down. But you're not really... I know. The point, you could, I suppose, but I want more educated voters rather than just more voters who are not educated. Let me take a break. I I think it's a big assumption that you think a lot of them, or a percentage of them, aren't educated. No, no. I, I'd like I, to know what the level of education is maybe before we go a little deeper in this. That's all I'm saying. I'm not, I, I'm not making the assumption, maybe I said I was, I'm not making the complete assumption that the people who voted the 66% didn't look, mm-hmm. but I'm saying if you force those other 34% to vote, you might be walking into that. Let me take a break. Back after this. Stay with us. You're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on 900 CHML. Back on a Friday for the first time in a while. So excited to be here. Friday! I had to reintroduce myself to Lorraine. We hadn't seen Lorraine in weeks and weeks and weeks. And, and Will popped by. Will was in. Good to see Will. You know, Will was looking particular. Will's out there right now. I don't know if he's driving around or whatever. He, he was wearing some dress pants that looked stunning. I want a pair. They I were, want a pair. And they got the drawstring. They, they, they look dressy. Dress pants with a drawstring that could pass as pajamas or dress pants. It was. It's like the p- pants for all occasions. I even had to ask if I could feel them because I wanted to know what the material Yeah, was I like. stepped out of the room during that part of it. <laughs> yes, I felt Will's pants. I think he looks sharp. He's, he's a he good dude. Very I like sharp. the guy. I like him a lot. So yesterday on the show, uh, you probably were not listening. That's okay. You had other things to do. Hold on a sec. <coughs> a little cough. Uh, we had a guy named Matt Gurney on. Matt's a columnist with the National Post. We are talking about the difference between Alberta and Ontario in one particular area, and that is Alberta right now, yesterday they handed down their budget, mm. and Jason Kenney, the premier of Alberta, told everybody in Alberta, you know what? This budget is going to hurt. We are lopping and slashing and hacking. They're cutting 2.8% of spending off. It's billions of dollars they're cutting. In this budget, it was 2,000 civil servants. It'll be 10,000 over four years because they say, we don't have the money. Our economy is in shambles. We can't continue doing this. Now, he has been generally applauded for this. On social media and among Albertans, they're saying, yeah, you know what? We got to do this. It's mm-hmm. painful, but we got to do it. Here in Ontario, Doug Ford got elected on an austerity platform of making cuts. Soon as he tried to cut something, he got destroyed publicly for doing it. And I'm looking at it, I go, yeah, okay, I know Alberta and Ontario are not the same place, but he did get elected to do that. Matt raised a really interesting topic, and I want to run this by you and tell you and ask if you agree. He says, and I, I hadn't thought of it, Jason Kenney has said what he's going to do and is unflinchingly doing it. Even if the attention had been bad, even if the press had been bad, he was going to go ahead and do it. Ford has many times said he's going to cut something, 
gets into a fight and then backtracks. Backtracks. It was about school class size that we're going to have classes up to 28. And now, okay, we'll give you something back. We're going to, with the janitors in the schools, he gave them stuff. Uh, today, there was talk of uh, amalgamation of some regions that were going to be amalgamated. Oh, no, we're not going to do that. And I'm looking at this thinking, you know, Doug Ford, he, Matt made a great point. Doug Ford right now, I think the reason why he's having so much trouble, he looks like the parent or the teacher, if you want to use the teacher example, mm-hmm. who talks a good game but then never backs up what they're going to say. And I think also part of it is I, I don't I don't know the the gentleman out in Alberta I don't know his demeanor how he reacts how he speaks even what his look is not that that should matter at all but so much of what you do is about your tone and how you present things and we've all seen here in Ontario how Doug Ford reacts how he he yells and shouts. And then we'll backtrack, as you alluded to. And I'm assuming the other gentleman, I forget his name. I'm Jason sorry. Kenny. Thank you, Mr. Kenny. He must have, obviously, he's got a very firm idea on things, and he probably presents his ideas in a much more methodical, articulate way. Well, maybe. As opposed to being almost uh, a, a big, bad bully uh, like our friend down south as well. Maybe, but I, I, I looked at this, and again, I, I give credit to Matt Gurney for the idea because it hadn't dawned on me, and then he said it, and boy, it seemed to make sense, mm-hmm. and that is... If you're a teacher and you say to your class at the beginning of the school year, if you are one minute late to come to class, don't even come into the class because you're not getting in here. Yep. And then the first person shows up five minutes late and you go, oh, okay. Oh, you had an excuse? Okay, we'll you know let what? you know what? That is the end of that. You, you can know that respect and that belief and that fear and that whatever, it's gone. So much is to be said for stand, backing up what you say and... Picking your fights. Picking your battles. Don't make uh, mountains out of molehills and all that good stuff, whatever cliche you want. And then... Rattling feathers. <laughs> stick, to your, stick, stick to what you are saying. Have a team around you. And also, I think, which is probably important what they're doing out in Alberta, they're having a constant message. There's probably lots of communication amongst uh, all, the, all the rest of the fine folks in the party who are relaying the same positive message. Again... You're like a manager. You have to empower and engage the people that that look up to you or or answer to you or trying to get your message out. He's probably doing the right thing. When I don't know if you, we necessarily see that here in Ontario. I I think that as soon as you start to see a party talk a tough game and then backtrack, what it looks like is now okay. We now know that if we make enough of a fuss. Yep. You will eventually relent. And by the time, and as Matt Gurney said yesterday, and again, it was a great point. And then the worst thing for people like Doug Ford is that as soon as you relent, you've got all this bad press and you don't end up with the thing you wanted in the first place. So you've got a double negative whammy against you. Whereas Jason Kenny out there, you know what? Yeah, they're all going along with it for right now because they get it. But it, when it, when the cuts kick in and they hurt, he will get bad press. I was just going to say that. Yeah. But if you stick with it, they go, well, we know that when he says something, he means it. And we knew it was coming. He warned us. He prepared us. And maybe you can start making some some changes now. It sounds like it's great leadership out there. And maybe we should keep an eye on this guy. Who knows if he might go up the ranks and want oh, to? Oh, don't uh, doubt it. Don't, 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 don't think otherwise. If, especially if you know what's going on, and we've talked about it on this show many times now. Uh, the anger out west. He, <laughs> he is the guy who, in many ways, has the ear of those people in Alberta and Saskatchewan. If, if what the new, new old returning prime minister does over the next few weeks 
signifies or sends messages to those out west that they are going to be ignored and that we're going to look after Quebec mm-hmm. and look after Ontario and Quebec or, and BC and not BC, Alberta and Saskatchewan and Manitoba, you guys, you know, mm-hmm. you don't matter much. Jason Kenney will become, I'm convinced, he will become the fa- the national face of the party. And I find it, uh, I, whenever you run into people like that who have that aura about them, I find it just fascinating. You you want to be around them. You want to learn. You well, want it's power. To, it's you, real power. But but it, it's not fake power. Yeah, it's No, it's real. real power. It's real power, and you can respect that. And I marvel at people who can do that on, on many different levels. Let's take a quick break. Back after this in the Scott Radley Show. Stay with us. You're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on 900 CHML. Scott Radley Show with Mike Fortune in studio singing along. This is not Elvis. This would not be your usual... Uh, Believe it or not, I, I do have a wide genre of musical taste. It's not all the king all the time, pretty darn close. But uh, for every, every once in a while, I go back to the oldies and the goodies and even some, some newer stuff, too. A little Ed Sheeran. I'm a big fan of Ed Sheeran. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. I like the guy. like his music. Yeah. Be- little Beatles. I don't mind the Beatles. You know, Sinatra, Dean Martin. I've never, I've never caught Bruno the Mars. whole Ed Sheeran thing. I've never quite got it. I mean, he seems like a nice enough guy. You, you know what bugs me a bit, little bit about Ed Sheeran? He really? looks like, he, his music is great. His music is great. But he, he apparently, I've seen pictures of him with like sleeve tattoos. He doesn't look like a guy who should have sleeve tattoos. He's the nerdy music class guy who had a little guitar and got, l- he, he was the guy from lunch hour that nobody talked to and he wrote some music and now he's trying to have that. Sir, only shocked. Only certain people can pull off the sleeve tattoo thing. Listen. I cannot. I'm pull- a little surprised you're being that sh- a little shallow regarding this. I cannot pull off the sleeve tattoo. If I went and got my whole arm done, you would look at me and go, "Hey, what are you doing? You're a dork." <laughs> well, that's without the sleeve tattoo. <laughs> so, uh, hey, to, to each his own. Do you think you know? everybody can wear tattoos? I mean, I, everyone le- everyone legally is allowed to get a I tattoo. Think that's not what can I mean. Pull them off. My wife and I were actually just talking about that. We think we're probably the only two in the world at times that don't have tattoos. I kind of feel the, that same way. So, Are and you I've, in that boat too? Yeah, and I've thought about it a couple times. And here's, I've thought about it too. Th- there's two reasons why I've never done it. One is because I really don't want to sit there for an hour having needles going. <laughs> and, and like, I, I don't need yeah. more pain in my life. Not that I'm <laughs> suffering, but you know. You're so hard done by No, it. <laughs> but I don't want to go look for pain. But the other part is it's a real, I mean. It's I a made commitment. A, I made a commitment to my wife. That's the biggest <laughs> commitment in my life. Yep. And, my, and having kids. This is right there. This, this is a permanent rest of your life kind of thing. I know. I get. I get it. I don't get why people get tattoos on their backs. Like you can't even see them. Like what? You're. I, it, I don't. It get always it. goes back to me that I remember seeing a tattoo around the time the Jays won either. I guess. I guess maybe their World Series tattoos weren't really big in '93 or '92 yet. But anyway, they they this person got a tattoo. It was in the Toronto paper or something because the Jays won. And the next year or the year after, they changed their logo. Hmm. Like, well, that sucks for that guy. Well, look what happened a day or two after the big Jose uh, Batista bat flip. There was a guy that had that immortalized on his, I don't know, his arm or his leg. Like people, okay, just do and that's that stuff. but that's a, that's a moment that's immortalized. Okay, if you really are that sold on that moment as being the thing that defines your life, because that's what a tattoo. Like, honestly, if if you get a tattoo and and good for you, look, I've seen people with great tattoos. I'm not, a, I'm not fully against tattoos. Very artistic, yes. But it better be something that is 
meaningful or symbolic or something? Because if I just say, you know what, I'm going to get a tattoo of a large avocado with eyes and a snake wrapped around it with an anchor hanging from the bottom and roses blooming out of its head. It's like, well, okay, that may look really artistic, but what? Hey, there might be just that snake-loving, uh, guacamole-loving <laughs> kind of guy out there who loves to be out on a boat saying, that's what I'm doing to myself. You just don't know, and that's why it's art, and that's why it's all unique and creative. Oh, and there's a third reason yes. that I've never got a tattoo, and that is because what if they screw up? Well, and if, you, or if you go and you have a vision in your head of what you want, and suddenly they're not as good and talented as it seems they yeah. were before. There are websites that are out there that depict uh, artists that aren't as good as they say they were, yes. or, or or tattoos that have the spelling in yeah. them has been wrong, or no regrets. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Th- things like that. So people but, are actually getting that done on purpose now. No regrets. Just because it's so ironically hilarious. I, I did think, I forget who the, uh, maybe there's a few Olympic athletes that have done this. And to your point, you know, they'll, they'll get the, the Olympic rings, the, the rings that I would chest. do. I think it's cool. And the other one, which I thought is kind of cute. And they'll, they'll put like a little Canadian flag or on the back of their neck where your shirt would be this made in Canada with a Canadian flag. That's kind of Those cool are kind and of cool. neat, I think. And if I was in the Olympics, yes, I would get the Olympic rings put on me somewhere. And if I won a Stanley cup, I would have a little Stanley cup. Do, or, or something like that. Well, you're in the on. sports world. Have you heard of have hockey players done that? Got the Stanley Cup on them? Yeah, uh, I don't know. You know who I know is uh, Tyler Crepinia, who was the kicker yeah, for McMaster for when they won the Vanier Cup. Got a huge Vanier Cup tattoo on his shoulder, All right. and a bunch of the other players got one similar to it when they won in 2011. That's cool. Okay. Um, uh, so people have done, and I know that. Uh, uh, who do I know? Who's the Olympian? I think, does Jesse Lumsden have one? I think the, the rings or something. I can't I believe remember. so. Um, there's a bunch. There's a bunch of Olympians that, uh, Scott Dickens, who was a swimmer mm-hmm. from Ancaster who competed in the Olympics. I think he has them. Uh, if, if it was something, again, it goes to the point. If there was some moment or something that, again, the guy who got the Batista leg tattoo, he didn't do that. That no. wasn't, he was, he watched the game. To me, it's gotta be something that is symbolic to me. My f- my thought always is with tattoos is, yeah, it looks great now. What is it going to look like when you're 80 or 90 years old? Like, do you well, go, go for- look at a bunch of, go to the seniors' homes and see the guys who are in prison. Y- well, yeah, but those, <laughs> are the, the Navy. those are the ones with the little anchors that were <laughs> yeah. done with, with pen and something that are just like, those look horrible. I'm, these artistic, beautiful ones that you see, I'm curious what those ones are going to look like when skin oh, starts to drop I will and not. sag and such. I, I, who knows? I mean, never say never. I might eventually come up with an idea. The only one I've ever had, and I'm not going to talk about it because it's stupid and it takes too much time when we're already past our deadline here. But I, I, I've thought about it before, but uh, just... Mm. Oh, you got to tell me off air. No, it's just, it's just lettering. It's just it's just some lettering with a word or two. Re- represent mom? No, representing my kids and my wife. And and the yeah, way okay. I would do it and stuff like it's not that crazy. It's not. I'm not going to go with an eagle with its wings spread from my shoulder blade to shoulder blade across my back. And what do, what what or uh, no regrets? What, what's your your what's your wife say about one getting your name tattooed on you? Uh, well, is she she's, okay ne- she's never asked where. Hey, at least you know you're committed <laughs> then too, right? You're <laughs> not going after anywhere. This. You're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on 900 CHML. Hour number two of the Scott Radley Show here on 900 CHML. So glad you are with us. Mike Fortune in studio for the second hour today. It's first Friday we've been back here for a while. I've missed you. 
Well, I've you know what? I've missed you. I've missed the studio. I've missed everything about not being here on Fridays. As I say, I come in most Fridays. I just sit here waiting for the red light to go on so I can talk and they just, it never goes on. Well, maybe it's Bulldogs hockey. Next Bulldogs hockey, maybe I'll just pop by here too. We can just sit here together. We can just put on our own show. We can. Po- why don't we do a we'll do a podcast? We'll do a podcast. Just do our own show. That is, that's what people who are insane do. They sit in a room and talk to themselves and, and think <laughs> that others are tuning in. Lorraine would come in for that. Uh, no, She'd she, help us out. She would tape it and then she would surreptitiously keep it and play the rantings of the insane people later on. The real talk show is when we're on break. That's when the real Sometimes. show. Sometimes, you know, the mic should be up. Yeah, probably when we're <laughs> glad they're off. So. Uh, about a week and a half ago, Rebels. you may remember yep. that Michelle Obama was in town. She was spoke she? at First Ontario Center. Was some, I heard something was going on. Yeah, she spoke at First Ontario Center. Good, yep. a big crowd. They go and low, we go high, something like that. I don't know if she said that, that line in this particular talk, but I'm sure she might have. Positivity, yep. And there was a piece, uh, an opinion piece that was then offered in the Hamilton Spectator a few days later. And I wanted to ask you about your thought on this one because I, I, I vehemently disagree, not with the point of the piece per se, but with the general philosophy behind it. And the headline was, Hamilton Michelle Obama event would have been way better with a female interviewer. Oh, jeez. And the idea was that she was on stage giving her talk, but that the interviewer was male. And therefore, you know what? This was a, a an event with a strong woman, and it would have been better if we'd had other strong women as the background for this. And look, I I wasn't at the event because I was working that night. We gave away tickets here on the show. I hope those who used the tickets had a wonderful time. So I don't know how well or not well the interviewer did. Do we know who the interviewer was? Are we allowed from, to... I'm not sure who it was. It was okay. from the Chamber of Commerce. And, uh, but I, I've heard nothing to the... The, the... the issue here in this piece that was written that was in the spec isn't that the interviewer did a bad job. In fact, uh, they deserved, um, th- there was nothing in here that said they did a poor job. It was just that, you know, this was a woman's event and we deserve to have more women doing women's things. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Why is that? Was it marketed as a woman's event? No, but it's a, but it was. I thought it was I Michelle it was, Obama's coming to Hamilton. I think that's an event for everyone. When I say, well, uh, yes, I, I would agree with that. But when I say it was a women's event, it was, you know, we've got a strong woman on the stage and I, here's, here's a line from this thing. I think men, particularly white men, have a different perspective and understanding of Michelle than do women. It's not an invalid perspective. It's just not a perspective I'm interested in when I want to hear her speak. So, But you're not there for the interviewer. You're there for Michelle. You're there to hear her answers to questions that are presented. Who, who, care, who cares who asks the questions? It truly doesn't matter who asks the questions. But I think it's a bigger thing than that, and this is the point I'm trying to bring up here. It's the, the thought behind this, and this is what is, is disturbing me a little, is the identity politics that we seem to be a slave to now, which is that every single thing that is done, we have to make sure somehow that we've got the right person of the right color, of the right gender, of the right whatever, as opposed to simply saying, you know what, the chamber put this on, the, cha- the interviewers did fine, we should be happy they did it. I, I don't care if when I'm watching a women's hockey game, for example, I don't care if we have a female ref or a male ref, as long as the ref does a good job. As long as the game is called properly. And we've seen plenty of men 
not be good referees in hockey games. Mm-hmm. And heaven knows, if you remember back to the gold medal game of whatever was at the Salt Lake, whatever, mm-hmm. we've seen women who have messed up. Yep. It's it's not to me about your gender or your color or whatever else. As long if you are doing a good job, who cares? Who cares? And if you're doing a poor job, then yes, you should be fixed or changed for next time. And 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 if you're doing the poor job, you better be able to take the take the the heat that's going to come with it. But the fact now that we have to we've become so sensitive that we're supposed to have a checklist in front of us saying That's it. Check this. Yep, okay. Yeah, that. Yeah, okay. Check that. Oh, I don't know about that. Let's put a question. The fact that we've gotten to that point, it is it's mind-numbingly exhausting. Actually, you know what? It might work out. Maybe you and I won't have to MC as many events. Maybe, maybe we won't check any boxes. And we'll, well, you know, forget Fortune Radley. It's to the point now where I've become numb and desensitized to it. I don't care who's up there because I'm not there to see a moderator. I'm not there to see a referee. I don't care who's doing what, to your point, as long as you're doing a good job. I've, I've, you're right. It is exhausting. And it to me, we're losing, we're stepping away from ability and excellence to simply, as you say, checking boxes. Not in every case. Look, I'm not, I, I don't want someone saying that, well, Radley, you know that we still have, you know, women who are held back or people of color who are, I, I, in certain places, yes, I, I know that Heck, that happens. Hey, I'll throw this out there. Regular white guys like you and I are, gonna, are being held back from time to time, I'm sure as well. I know I probably just threw a big matzo ball out there, but I well, think Well, it may be in certain places, maybe in, in certain... In certain cases but or I places think, or instances, look, I think it's, it's happening. It's The issue to me is we should be, in, in my view, in society, we should be encouraging and pushing for the best people mm-hmm. regardless. And that to me, when we talk about equality and equal opportunity and equal rights and everything... That to me is what it is. It's if someone is the best and they are a woman, yes, I 100% agree that that person should be doing it and shouldn't be held back because they are a woman. But on the same token, if the best person for the job is a man, they should get it. And, you know, we see it in public sector stuff all the time now where you have quotas now that have to be reached. And it's like, I'm not sure that's how you solve the problem that we've had all along of saying we've had too many people have been held back. Therefore, no, I look, it, it should be based on your abilities. Here's, but here's the next step of this. Here's the next step of this. And this is the part of this that I, I don't want to be just picking on the person who wrote this piece. I disagreed with it. It was well-written, but I disagreed with it. But the next step of this is that we've been hearing a lot of things about, well, we have to have more women in the STEM programs or other programs. We have to, and Again, I encourage, yes, we should open doors that allows for people who traditionally have been underrepresented in certain areas. We should. We should have, I read just recently, we were talking about the election last, I read, we should have more women in public office. Okay. I'm not opposing that. Interestingly, public office, I think anybody pretty much can run. I believe so. We know here municipally anyone can run. And so if you are qualified, presumably, and we've seen some very qualified, very intelligent people, uh, Philomena Tassi up in Ancaster, in in Hamilton West, Ancaster, Dundas, 
uh, she won. We've seen other Andrea uh, Horvath, Andrea Horvath, Sandy Schaff. You know, absolutely. They, they, they all do. They won. They got voted in democratically, and they're doing a good job. Exactly. You can agree with their politics. You can disagree with their politics. There you go. But you know what I'm missing with all this? And again, some people are going to take issue, and that's fine. If we're going to be pushing for absolute equality, which which seems to be somehow lost here. Or seems to be the, the, the thing we say, but if we're going to push for absolute equality, should we not be having a massive push on as well to say, you know what, 90% of nurses are women. We need to get the number of men in nursing up much, much higher. 80% apparently of veterinarians are women. Universities have more than 50% students as women. Look, this is the problem when you start doing quotas and finding numbers and everything because you start going the other way, saying... Well, wait a second there. We need to get more women out of nursing and get men into it. Why? How's that going to help? Who does that help? If you have people who choose to go into these lines of work and they have an emotional capacity to do it because nursing takes a certain emotional capacity and a certain personality and and all, why do we want to deter people? Right, and there are men and women that that have that personality. And, you know, it kind of goes... I don't know if it goes back a little bit to the conversation we had earlier regarding the voting. You know, do you, you know, you don't want to have these quotas open just so more men can get in. You want to have the right person for the job or the right female for the job or whatever the situation might be. Again, I'm to the point where I've heard too much. I don't care anymore. Who's ever in that job, if they're doing a great job, hey, thumbs up. Let you know about it. If it you do a lousy job, I'm, I'll let you know as well now. Like it works the opposite, I think, of what the intention is. Because the intention is we want to make it so that certain people groups are seen as being just as qualified. But when you start having a checklist, you're going to start thinking, well, are they there because they're the most qualified or are they there because... They've marked off all the boxes. And, 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 I don't think, and I don't think that's fair because I can tell you, there are all kinds of people that I know, men, women, whatever, who are very qualified to do the job, are doing the job, and I don't think they deserve to have people questioning their capacity to do it because why are they there then? No, they're there because they're the best person to do it. And to me, that's the underlying point of this whole thing. Our society, we, we somehow we're not going to. I mean, I'm fully feeling defeated by this because we're not going to get away, but I feel like we've got to get away from checklists and quotas and 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 identity politics and saying, you know what, best people should get the jobs no matter who they are. And I agree that some people have been held back over the generations. I'm not disputing that. Some people have been held back. Maybe many people. I just, I don't, I don't want to make it so that now we have a position where you're believing or thinking, or you're in a position where now we believe that people are getting these jobs for reasons other than their excellence. I think there are more people out there. And again, not too many people have a platform. Not too many people want to, to let it out. I think there are people out there that are very desensitized or desensitized to this, are tired of hearing it. And I think you, so. You might, you might start, not saying soon, you might see a little bit of backtracking on some of this. To your point, we just want the best person. Don't care what your eye color is, hair color is, who you believe in, what you believe in. We just want the best person. I would love to believe that uh, that that can happen. I look. I don't know 
I don't know what happened at this Michelle Obama thing. I don't know. Could there have been a woman who did a great job? A hundred percent. Of course there could have been. Of, of course. course there could have been. You could have picked out 500 women who would have been fantastic interviewers. Hands down. But are they are, are they employed is, by the Chamber of Commerce? But not only that, but is it necessary? Like, is it necessary? I don't think it's necessary. Did the people who did the interviewing do a good job should be our bottom line. And if they did a good job, it shouldn't matter if they're male or female if they are black, if they're white, it, if you their economic status, if you do a good matter. job, we should be satisfied and happy that the person who did the job did a good job and not start looking for ways. You know, I would think that Michelle Obama, one of her messages, again, I wasn't there, I was working here, but I would think one of the messages would be bring people together. This doesn't bring people together to start picking on what are your qualifications, not by skill. But by other things, that's not bringing people together. And how do we not know that Michelle Obama's people maybe even handpicked and well, we don't a, know. A pr- we don't know. But I'm just saying there you all you have to look at all different angles and play devil advocate sometimes. I think but my we got to go to break. Yeah, we need to be judging people in their work and in their things by their performance rather than by all these other peripheral things that are going on. And if you are performing, if you're doing a good job, good for you, regardless of what you look like or what you call yourself or anything else, if you are performing, we should be more than happy with that. And if you're not, we find someone else who does it the best regardless of those things. I Sorry, I, I'm... Agreed. This one gets me going. No, it's it's the identity politics stuff that just drives me nuts. I don't think we get any better, any ahead, any further ahead, any more unified as a society when we don't choose things. Be- We're what, getting more upset with each other. Well, what would happen, as I go to break, what would happen back in 1969 when we tried to send the Apollo 11 to the moon if we hadn't chosen the best scientists, the best physicists, the best whomever, and we had had to have a checklist. Now, the people who got chosen may have been great. The same thing might have happened. But all I know is if I'm one of those three guys in the rocket, I want to make sure the best people are the ones on the ground looking after me. Could there have been other good people who could have done the job? I assume so. I'm sure there were. Yep. But we want the best people doing the best work. And it shouldn't matter who they are. We'll take a break. Back after this. You're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on 900 CHML. Scott Radley Show here on 900 CHML in studio with Mike Fortune. There is a guy. So the the Ontario Liberal leadership uh, race is going on right now. And uh, there is a guy named Alvin Tado. I think that's how you say his last name. T-E-D-J-O. Tado, Tejdo. Works for me. However you want to say it. And he has gotten in, he's gotten a lot of airtime and a lot of coverage in the last couple of days because his main point or one of his main points is, if I become leader of the provincial liberals, I will be moving to end all funding for Catholic schools. We will have one <laughs> School board. Now it would require it would require a constitutional change because it's in Ontario's constitution. Yeah. What would you think about that? What would you think about getting rid of one of the school boards having one combined? And before I say that, every time this comes up, a lot of people say, "Well, why would you get rid of the Catholic school board? They are they often do things better than the public school board." And certainly, if you look at their numbers, mm-hmm. you would say, "Yes." This doesn't necessarily mean you would get rid of all the 
Catholic bureaucracy and everything, they may be the ones that end up running this this one school board. Mm-hmm. So, but what would you think about it, the it, idea? It has some interesting. First off, I think we can agree it will probably never happen. I think it has some interesting merit to it in the fact that if we are this society that uh, wants to be all inclusive and be one with one another. Why not bring us all together? Let us all work under the same umbrellas and, and learn under the, the, the same systems, perhaps. I think it's an interesting concept. Is that but, not one step away from Bill 21 in Quebec? Very, Of course it is. I mean, it's, it's not quite the same because you're still allowed to wear religious symbols and mm-hmm. work with, but it's, it's beginning to sound a little like it. It, it. It's beginning to sound a little like it. And not only that, you know, on the flip side, you could have total anarchy if 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 this would kind of come together in that way. I don't think it makes any How? financial sense. Well, I just think you're going to, you know, they always say never mix uh, religion and politics and so on and so forth. And, and you get young minds kind of coming in, talking. You know, you might start to see maybe some more friction. I would hope you wouldn't. Oh, absolutely you would. Guaranteed you would. A hundred percent you would. If you If you were to try and push this... There will be people, especially on the Catholic side of the board, because, again, no one is saying we're going to get rid of the public board. So it's the Catholic board that's going to feel under fire here, and those who support Catholic education, of course they're going to fight back. At I, the same time, though, you, let, let's look at it this way. You all finish your high your public and, and your high school careers. You then all go into universities and colleges, and there's no, there's no mixture. It's a mixture then at that point. There's no separation of... Catholic universities and so on and so forth, you go to where you are accepted. I really would love to know how the what the reaction would be and what I said a moment ago when I was starting this. The the automatic response that I've heard from people before when talking about this is why would you get rid of the Catholic board? Look at their schools. They're doing better than the public board. Look at the EQAO scores. They're doing better than the public board. Look at their athletics. They're doing better than the public board. I don't know if that's all true, but there's certainly elements of truth there. But I don't know that this guarantees that the Catholic board would be the one that you would get rid of. If they're doing better, why would you not keep the Catholic board and tell the public it, board people, the way. you're the ones who are on the hot seat here? No one ever thinks that way. The, the, the thing that I think he has a point here, and I've said this before, there are still differences between Catholic education and public education. Yeah. But I'm not sure the differences are sizable enough anymore that you can look at this and say, you know what, um, they're so different that it's like a completely different educational experience. You can, as I understand it, someone can correct me if I'm wrong, but as I understand it, you can get out of uh, chapel at times, you don't. I don't think that the teachers have to be. Maybe they have to be Catholic still. But the point is, I, I don't know that you're getting a vastly different edu- differences. No question. But I don't know mm-hmm. if it's so different that you look now and say, you know, if we were to meld these two into one, those kids are. They're not. I don't know. And I don't know if there's also a little bit of melding going on in the fact that like it, if if you if you're a practicing catholic i think you can still go to a public school as far as i know and i yeah, think oh, absolutely. i think it's vice versa if if you go to a public school i think and if you really want to get into a catholic i think nowadays because the the rules and the laws have loosened so much you can probably get into a catholic school and i think a lot of that also comes from we've seen we back in the day we used to have catchments 
where, you know, you went to McNabb and that was it because you lived between Garth and Upper Horny or whatever the argument was. But now sports has broken down so many of those barriers. Yeah. We want the best athletes at our school. We're going to put it on, on the best programs. See, so, what I would do now, if I was the Catholic board, and I don't know if you can do this, I don't know what the law would say about this. I would be pushing, if I was in the Catholic board, mm-hmm. to be going more Catholic. And, and when I say that, I mean to make the experience much. If you want to come to a Catholic board, uh, and again, I, I think I may be running into some legal challenges here, to be honest, but I would want to say you will be getting, this is really going to be noticeably, substantially, massively different, your experience at this school than at that public school. There's going to be no, nobody is going to walk away from their education having said, ah, there's really not that much of a difference. Like it, you're talking like you, you'll have three prayer moments during a day whatever type thing Just, whatever yeah. that you're going to look at and you're going to say we are really going to emphasize the catholicism of this experience for our students because if we're going to if we're going to say we want to have a separate school board that is a catholic school board you're going to have a catholic underlined italicized boldface catholic education that then draws a delineation now as i say there will be people who will say well, wait a second. You can't. We don't. We don't. We can't have that much religion in a publicly funded institution. Well, if we can't, then there is no point in having mm-hmm. two school boards. Well, you, you you hit the big word right there, funded. And I think a lot of this also comes down to mucho dinero, and 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 how that is then used. You know, it, let's face it. There's also a business behind all of this as well. Well, you have to have a business model in order to keep this thing going. I, as I say, I, I I don't see the I don't see the point of having two parallel school boards where there's not much difference between the two. But if you can create a a, a, a situation, an educational system where there is a significant difference, and you can point, and I'm not just saying significant difference in we have a better academic and better athletic system. That's not difference. That's maybe better execution. I'm saying different experience. You've got to have two different things or else there doesn't seem to be a reason to be paying for two different things. And not a little bit different, noticeably different. Because I think right now it's maybe a little bit different. I think that would be my, look, when I talk to kids and I've talked to kids, I've spoken at public schools, I've spoken at Catholic schools. I know that when you go to the Catholic schools to speak, they're wearing a uniform. Mm-hmm. Other than that, and they, and they will have chapel. And I mean, th- look, I'm not saying there's no differences. I'm not saying there's no differences, but there are differences between each of the public schools from each other in traditions and other things. There's difference in each of the Catholic schools from each other. Is it worth, without making significant gaps between the public and Catholic board on how they do things, is it worth paying for two bureaucracies, two administrations, two boards? So you're saying boards? you might have a point here. I'm saying he's going to get traction. No, I absolutely believe that he is going to get a lot of traction on this one, and I, I believe that there would be a significant portion of the population that would say, I agree with him. And it may not be just people who are anti-Catholic education. Mm-hmm. It may even be people in the Catholic board who say, yeah, let's go further to the Catholic side of things so we clearly delineate these two. And then if you don't want to come to Catholic school because you're not Catholic or it doesn't fit with what you want, that's fine. That's your, as you said, that's your choice. But then that brings up an interesting point. If you do meld all of this into one, what happens to those that, that don't fall into those categories? What do you mean? 
uh, in regards to there's, there are other religions out there that we're, we're not bringing up as well. And right now, I think the other religions are welcomed in to either one of the school boards. But you might open up a whole can of worms with, with those religions as well. The worm can is already open because you already have a Catholic board. You don't have an Islamic board. You don't have a Jewish board. You don't have a Baptist board. It's already, the worms are already open. Okay. So, to my, uh, again, I would just say, if, if you're already dealing with this issue, why are we just sort of muddying the water a little bit and making it similar, just a little bit different? If we're going to pay for two different systems, have two different systems. Th- this might open up, th- this might push it to what you just alluded to. We might have, why wouldn't someone come up and say, you know what, we want just a straight up Jewish system. We, oh, I'm sure they have. I know they have. So so you start to get a little traction there, a little funding there. I'm sure you're going to have a lot of people wanting to put their hard-earned dollars towards that. Several years ago when John Tory, before he became mayor of Toronto, was running for the liberal of the conservative, or, or for a leader of the conservatives, you will recall he got into all kinds of trouble because he wanted to be able to fund or help fund private schools, private religious schools. That would have been... Mm-hmm. That kind of thing. Okay, so if you're now going to, a, if you're a Muslim and you want to go to a Muslim school, the province will help. And it, it blew up. It was a huge, and it, and that pretty much, I think, cost him the leadership because it was just, there was enough, there were enough people saying, no, we don't want to add more divisions in this thing. But this one already exists. And so you're either going to do something with the one you have or you're going to get rid of it. I, I I don't know the argument is ever going to go away if you if the if the differences are not great it'll be like pardon the bad metaphor or the bad simile but it'll be like going to two different department stores that are kind of similar but they have somewhat different stuff and you go well wait a second what why am I going to two of these if the prices are basically the same and I'm really could almost get the same thing at both. I should just go to one. But to your point, maybe you're getting better service at one. And there are people that feel more comfortable going to a, a, a Catholic school because maybe the, the and I, I'm not going to say maybe because I, I witness it, they are, they are taught better morals. They are taught how to respect uh, one, one another a little bit more. And I don't think you see that as much. And I went to a public school. You don't see or hear that as much in a public school but you hear it and you see it a lot more coming from a Catholic school. There, There's a whole other level there. So it comes down to customer service, to, could be. to your analogy. Could be. And, and uh, you know, we've got to wrap this up. But I, I, as I say, I, I am not arguing there are no differences. But if you're now having leadership hopefuls who are pushing this, and we've had this discussion for a long time about whether this should happen, eventually you're only going to be able to put off being morphed into one mm-hmm. if you can point to some reason why it's absolutely essential that you have two different ones. Uh, We don't have the money. Eventually, you're going to have to defend it in a way that says, we're not just public school plus. We are different. I like the fact that there is some out-of-the-box thinking here. It's a, you know what, it's not, I have, I never have a problem, almost never, I guess, with leaders of or uh, aspiring leaders of political parties or even those in politics throwing out ideas and saying let's talk about this there are some that are wacky of course but this i don't think this is wacky i think this is a fair discussion to have but i think you're going to have to defend it if you want to keep the system the way it is gotta take a break back after this stay with us 
You're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on 900 CHML. Again, a second time here. Let me give you your quiz question. Mark Twain's novel, The Adventures of Huckleberry Finn, is set along what river? 905-645-3221, star 9900 if you're on your cell phone. What river is the setting for The Adventures of Huckleberry Finn? That is your quiz question this evening. Mr. Fortune, we saw this week the Toronto Raptors, who everybody loved the Toronto Raptors in their championship last year. Everybody was on board. Millions of Canadians loving it. Uh, We saw them receiving their championship rings this week. (laughs) Um, I'm trying to think of the right word. Massive. Gaudy. Garish. I mean... Gargantuan. Gargantuan. Lots of... I mean, this was... They were about the size of a small, a large plum with... Hundreds, I can't remember the number of diamonds. 614 diamonds or something. 614 diamonds, uh, equivalent to 30 carats of diamonds. Each one, now they haven't said how much they're worth, but they're estimates that each one is worth about $200,000. And there was the, the amount of, it's the biggest and most expensive championship ring in sports history. Yeah. They're saying. And hey, all the, all the power to the designers. I know Kyle Lowry apparently was involved, and so was Drake. Not like I'm at, talking like I know these people. I'm just quoting what is in news. Scott stories. Radley but Show. If this is what they wanted for a very unique situation, I think it's it's uh, it, it it's what people with lots of money can do, and uh, good on them. But uh, be prepared; your ticket prices will go up yet again. Well, see, because I th- the teams pay for these. The league. The, oh no, the, the team teams, pays for this. The, the organization pay. MLSE pays yeah, yeah. for this. I. I'm struggling with this ring. I'll tell you why. It's not that they don't deserve a championship ring. It's not that they don't deserve a great championship ring. There does come a point when I look at a bunch of guys who are all making millions of dollars getting rings worth 200000 give or take, and thinking, I'm, I get uncomfortable because you realize what you could do with that money. And oh. I, I'm, Aren't we dealing with homelessness and uh, food shelters? And it's not MLSE's responsibility to look after those things. Those are social problems. But but if, if you want to be a socially responsible company. And league and players. And league and player and say, Let, let's help those who are less fortunate or haven't had the breaks that we've had. Do we need to really spend 200,000 times? How many rings did they hand out? Many. 25, 30? Many. Start doing the math, folks. Think of all the people you could help. There. Th- Again, I'm I'm not trying to be a party pooper on this one. They're beautiful rings. They're they're well, enormous. They're, I wouldn't say they're beautiful. I I'm gonna go with what I said. I think they're kind of gaudy looking. Well, they are gaudy. You can't they're, wear it. They're intentionally gaudy. That they want the but less is more. That's always been my philosophy. I, I, and I'm not against people who have money. Uh, you know, people who have made their money by their. Excellent people who own businesses and stuff have risked their money to build businesses. I'm not against people who have done well in business or anything else. I'm not against the rich. I don't believe that, you know, I'm, I'm, I, I really, quite frankly, bristle at the, the um, class warfare that many politicians are engaging in right now to demonize people who have yeah. money. But I, the, I, I'm, I'm struggling with this one because it looks to me like this is so in your wasteful yeah. and so in your face. And you're right. There are so many issues in our society that there are so many hmm. people or not people, I should say. There, there have already been players that have said, you know, they're not going to wear it. 
but you play for the ring. No, you don't play for the ring. You play for the championship. You pl- you play you play so your name is amongst a group of ten or fifteen other men uh, or women, depending on the sport, who have worked towards a common goal, which is to win a championship. But even if you play for the ring and you get the banner, yeah. But even if you play for the ring, is it insulting to you if your ring was only worth? Fifty thousand dollars, or twenty-five thousand, or ten thousand. Like, uh, it, was it Rockefeller? Who was the one who, when he was asked how much was enough, he says just a little bit more. And <laughs> and the the thing with these rings is they're constantly now when the and the players were talking about this, they wanted this to be the biggest, the most expensive. Uh, Kyle Lowry was quoted when they said when the first draft of this thing came by, he goes, "No, we need to spend some more." And I think he was being funny. I think that you can't read the context. I think it was a joke when he said that. I'm not going to dump on him for saying that, but because I think it was being an ironic and sardonic statement. But I just, I, I love sports. I was caught up with the Raptors. I loved all the stuff. I, this just makes me uncomfortable. What, what's going to happen next year when you have four more champions? Right, because are they, what, what are the Wash- all, they're all going to want to outdo themselves now. So the World Series champions, so probably Washington, if they hold on to win this thing, they're playing, I think, tonight. Um, let's say they win. Do they now say, we got to beat the Raptors? It's quite and, possible. And then does the... Now, to I, I what end, know. though? To what end? So finally you get to one. In another 10 years, the ring is now the size of a grapefruit. <laughs> And they're they're like harvesting the Hope Diamond. To each person gets a Hope Diamond attached to the ring. Each ring is now worth seventeen trillion dollars. You gotta put it on a rope chain and put it around your neck. It comes with a stand on wheels, so you can roll it while it's on your hand. It's possible. It it, it just it's it's making me a bit, especially because, and, and you mentioned it before. This is a league that think of when. Um, Ster- Donald Sterling with the LA Clippers got caught saying those horrible things about black men on mm-hmm. tape. Mm-hmm. This league stood up as a socially progressive, socially aware group of men who said, no, we are against that. We are a socially, we're, we're about social justice in this league. When the, the shootings of, of young black men by police officers, mm-hmm. justified or not in some of those cases, I mean, the stories get very convoluted, but they, st- the NBA players stood up and said, we are about social justice and sure. looking out for our neighborhood. Because of that, this makes me uncomfortable because it's not the player's fault, I don't think. I'm not blaming the players. Well, they do have a say in it. They have a say they in it. They have some say in it. And, they ex- and I think they expect certain things, but some of these players, many of these players have come from unbelievably difficult backgrounds and... Yes, getting this, I suppose, announces that you have arrived, that you've made it, that you're a success, and and I get that. But but ring or no ring, you're still a champion. And you're still making millions. You're still a champion regardless of if you have a ring or not. I would have... And I'd rather have the name champion behind me. And you know what I think would be really cool one day, one time, I I hope it would happen. And you look at, I don't know if a guy like Tom Brady would ever do this, but he seems like he might, I don't know. You have you have one of these players one day say, you know what, team, we don't need the ring. They'll never do that. But you know what I or, would or love we, to Or s- we need a much more uh, s- uh, smaller version of, of something as a, as a token. Am I, am I too naive to say that someone down the road might say, we would like a ring. We would like a really beautiful ring. You can do a really beautiful ring for $50,000. And we would like for all the number of rings times whatever to for you as an organization to ru- to start a foundation that will feed people or this now or that's that. That's a legacy, and that's a legacy that will go on forever. 
And, and, and maybe I'm naive. Idea. Maybe no. I'm naive to believe that, th- that anybody would do that. It just takes one person. It takes one superstar, Scott, one superstar to stand up and start a trend like that. Because there's no way you can continue to get bigger and bigger and more gaudy and more expensive. I mean, at some point, it just becomes impossible and, and stupid. Mm-hmm. And it's already stupid. I mean, if you're... I put it in my Saturday column. If these things are, in fact, worth $200,000, you get two of these, you could buy a decent house in Hamilton. Of course you You could buy a house for the price of two rings. Mm -hmm. I'm not not trying to diminish from the championship. I'm absolutely not. I'm not trying to take... We're not diminishing from the championship. They have worked hard. They've worked their whole career. Not taking anything away. they, They have done everything they can. Bounces go in. A little bit of luck is played into it as well. They are still champions, regardless of if they get a ring or not. They can still say, we won the Larry O'Brien yeah. Trophy. There's the banner up there. We're going to be in all the history books. Look it up. And we'll have a ring. And it we'll... just makes me uncomfortable when it gets to this point. Yeah. And, maybe, and, and some people will say, if you got the ring, you wouldn't be uncomfortable. Maybe or maybe I'd be more uncomfortable. Because now, where can I possibly... How do you possibly wear this into if you're in uh, if you're a member of the Raptors and you go to the Jane Finch area for a, an appearance or something how do you possibly wear this in places where people are hungry or people are suffering or people are struggling the Scott Radley show weekday evenings from 6 to 8 on 900 CHML the Scott Radley show podcast is available on Apple podcast Google podcast and wherever you get your podcasts I'm Scott Radley. Thanks again for listening, and do not forget to subscribe to this podcast. It is free. You will never miss an episode. And also, be sure you rate us and review us. Whatever you think of us, we'll take it. Thanks for listening.